It's time for episode 188 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 10th, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where it's time for a fresh start. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined in his debut appearance as the brand spanking new co-host of Clockwise by my good friend, Micah Sargent. Hi, Micah. Welcome. Ah, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be back on Clockwise and to be back for, for what's what's probably going to be for good. So this is this is uh, this is exciting stuff. I'm thrilled. It is. You got to move like one seat over. So now we're, we're now across from each other. <laughs> Yeah, it was really awkward asking Jason to, to you know, shoo. But, move, move, uh, we, move. You're in yeah, this chair. Can, can, you, can you get out of my way? <laughs> uh, well, this is the show where we talk for tech topics. And in addition to me and Micah, we have two fantastic guests making, also making his debut, but overall for Clockwise, is the co-host of the Defocus podcast on The Incomparable and the Unhelpful Suggestions podcast. Mr. Joe Rosenstiel is here. Hi, Joe. Hi, Dan. Welcome. Long time listener, first time, etc. <laughs> first time, etc. Indeed. Well, we're so glad to have you. First time, etc. I love it. Uh, and to my left is, of course. I mean, who who else? Who else could we have here? But the wonderful Allison Sheridan, the Podfeet uh, connoisseur of fine tech writing. Uh, so happy to have you here, Allison. Well, I was really glad to hear Jason say as he closed out the last show that he read the fine print that said, you don't, you have to be on every time I'm on, but I don't have to be on every time you're on because I was afraid I just got hooked into a permanent position. (laughs) Directionality is important. Really bad that I I didn't consult you first, right? In case that was uh, <laughs> was going to be the case, I should have talked to you uh, along with my lawyer. Marianne in New Zealand. That's how she had heard it, and I hadn't yet. Like, what? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> sorry, we'll let the, we'll let the lawyers work it all out. Everything will be fine. <laughs> all right, let's kick off this show, and that's an appropriate word with our first topic, which is about the Echo Show, which is not a show about the Echoes yet, although I saw some fan art um, and. This <laughs> This is the uh, Amazon Echo that Amazon announced, which has a screen, a 7-inch touchscreen in it. Uh, it can be used to make video calls as well as watch videos, if that's a kind of thing you're interested in doing on your little voice-based uh, appliance. My question for you guys is, does this interest you? If, or if you're an Echo user already, if you're not an Echo user, does this something that sort of tips you over towards potentially being interested? And if not, why not? Joe, I think you have an Echo. What do you think of the Echo Show? Uh, I have an Echo Dot, and I quite like it uh, because it's a bring-your-own-speaker setup, and so I can I can do whatever I want with it. Um, I I not as interested in the show as a product, but I, I'm happy to see it around because it just further expands the uh, uh, ecosystem ecosystem of of eco pro- echo ah, echo products. That's, that's tongue twister. Uh, and uh, I uh, look forward to seeing more weird things that they're going to introduce eventually at some point um the video aspect of this i'm a little dubious of because a uh, seven inch screen is not um great if it's something that's mounted on a surface uh far away from where you might be walking or standing or something so I, i'm not i'm not entirely 
sold on that. It seems like it would be more useful if you could uh, have that go to a larger display in whatever room you are in, but they don't have anything uh, that would sort of route video in that manner. But, uh, but you know, who, who's to say? Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, it's a little... Uh, also, uh, the design has been mocked a little bit. Uh, it's a little OCP uh, looking, um, it, but it, you know, it's a little, some retro flair, I guess you could say. The white, well, the white one has not won me over. Oh, retro flair! That was my band in high school. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that the the Echo Show is exciting. Okay, I, I think that it's. Uh, a good step for Amazon to be taking. And what's most interesting to me is the awkward video that they put together showing how, uh, what I call normal people, the people who don't like steep in technology constantly and are, are always, you know, I don't know, buying new phones and upgrading stuff and, and tinkering with things. They're just like people who are living out their lives outside of technology. And it shows how, anybody can use this product. And I think that that's where the value of the Echo Show is. Uh, That said, I don't think it's for me. The thing that I love the most about uh, Amazon's Echo platform and about uh, the the A assistant, whose name I won't say uh, for fear of triggering everybody's devices, is voice. Uh, The voice control is, is really... It's one of the best in terms of of getting what I want done done and uh, understanding what it is that I'm trying to do. So it understands me in ways that Siri and other other voice assistants have not. So I want uh, Amazon's focus to continue to be on voice over video and hope that this touchscreen video product doesn't distract too much from that. Well, this week, the part of Wet Blanket will be played by Allison Sheridan. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, no, 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 no. One of the things I read very early on just gave me the heebie-jeebies. There's a feature in it called Drop-In, and um, I've I've found a few places talking about it, not Amazon specifically, but uh, let me quote the Verge article where it says, when someone drops in on you, they'll be presented with a frosted glass view for 10 seconds before the video automatically starts during which time you'll be able to reject the video call entirely or switch to an audio only mode you have 10 seconds to not be on video if that feature is enabled yeah like very ocp like i was saying <laughs> i don't know what OCP 10 seconds is. to comply <laughs> what is ocp oh uh robocop the the evil corporation omni consumer ah. products ah okay yeah i was just like uh yeah i don't know i don't know i mean I've got so many ways to make video calls and, um, you know, I, I really do like FaceTime because it just comes on when I want it, but I, I there's a button to say, I accept this call. <laughs> and I think that's kind of like a major feature. Well, yeah, my understanding is actually that it's, it's opt in. You would like, they're specifically, uh, designing that for like use cases with like your family. They, they mentioned specifically things like checking in on an elderly family member or checking in on like a baby in a nursery. Like it's not a, not everybody has access to that feature. It's like a whitelist thing. So yeah, that improves yeah. it a little bit, but yeah, I can see your point. <laughs> um, 
for my part, I mean, I'm interested in this because I think there's information that can be conveyed visually that is much more useful sometimes than auditorially. So, for example, if you ask your Echo for a seven-day forecast, it will laboriously read through the next seven days. And I always sort of tune out in part of it thinking, oh, I want to know what the weather's going to be in like four days. And then I never in, invariably miss it. So having a display available for that certainly helps, you know, create like a redundancy of information that I can glance at rather than waiting to get to the point. Um, I'm not as interested in the touch, actual touch manipulation of it because i like micah said voice is the strong suit of the echo and so being able to still control it with my voice i think is still the the winning formula there um the styling is not great but it's also it's very utilitarian as most of amazon's products are so uh, you know i can see why some people wouldn't like it i don't find it particularly offensive it's just kind of it's dull but that's fine, <laughs> I guess. We'll see. Um, but I, I do think that they, there is some promise here, and I like the idea of Amazon creating essentially what is sort of an appliance-level device um, that can fill a lot of the features that you don't have to go hunting around for your phone or go sit down at your computer to do. Uh, and some of those things just weren't possible with a voice-only Echo. So I'm interested. Uh, I pre-ordered one. We'll see how it goes. Um, thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our second topic from Joe. Joe, what do you got? Uh, along with the Echo Show yesterday, uh, they also announced that uh, coming to all existing Echoes would be the ability to uh, have audio calls uh, between different Echo devices, as well as uh, using a uh, the mobile app for controlling those Echoes, uh, called the uh, Thing That Shall Not Be Named app, I guess, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for fear of triggering things. But uh, that... Uh, mobile app can also make calls in between other mobile apps. Um, it uses your phone number for uh, identifying and authenticating you um, with a little two-factor thing. But then once you're in there, uh, it can uh, access uh, contacts if you let it, or uh, anybody who calls you will show up in a contacts list. And that's supposed to be a way for you to quickly uh, get in touch with people. Uh, it doesn't work like FaceTime, where let's say you make a call and uh, it goes over uh, something that appears to be a telephone network, um, even though it isn't. Uh, th this is an extra step that you have to take outside of the system. Do you think that poses a problem in adopting uh, this, or uh, do you think that uh, Skype or FaceTime or a telephone network uh, is, is really the way to go? I I th I think that there's going to be some friction here on on you know making this any sort of mainstream method of communication at least right now I don't I don't really see this taking off someone had made the joke that uh, or had asked like if you could send your heartbeat over the uh, <laughs> over these Alexa enabled devices and I think that 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 was actually on point more than it just being a joke because I do kind of see this as some of the weird stuff that the Apple Watch was able to do in the beginning that people did the first week and then stopped doing it, I kind of asked myself, how much longer am I actually going to be seeing the little green ring pop up on my uh, Echo or Echo Dot or what what have you, telling me that someone's trying to send me a message? And it was fun the first day. I think I sent messages to just about everybody I had my contacts showing up at the time but um I don't I don't really see this lasting and I think it's because I've got to I've got to either you know talk talk to the thing and then other people have to get it on their echo device or on their phone and it's just it seems like it's 
it's too too many layers, too many steps to actually get to this form of communication, as opposed to just being uh, something that's readily available and and right there. I mean, I'd love to have some sort of universal messaging system that has it all tied in, but I don't. So yeah, I don't really see this taking off. I had a lot of fun yesterday with uh, Joe Duganzik of uh, Smarter Home Life playing with this. And um, we had a great time. And and I'll tell you what what weird thing we found first and then back into why I think this is a terrible idea. Um, (laughs) See previous comment. The 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 audio quality was phenomenal. The ease of making the call was really, really cool. But we accidentally found something really interesting. If you're, um, you can answer a call on your phone, not on the Echo device. So I, we, we tested that if you didn't have an Echo device at all, you could still receive a call this way, which could also be called a phone call. But <laughs> So you can receive it on your phone. When I first called Joe, he had his Echo uh, was unplugged. So the call automatically went to his phone. And then we realized, wait a minute, what happens when he turns on his dot? Would, would it do a graceful handoff to the dot? And it didn't, and it didn't offer anything. And then we got the idea, wait a minute, Joe, call me from your dot. And I was able to answer on my phone. So we had two simultaneous calls going diagonally between these devices. What? Yeah. Uh, he actually recorded it and put out a video this week, on, yesterday on it. And it was pretty funny because it was this, we're just sitting there going, okay, now what have we done? Um, the reason I'm, I'm the wet blanket on the topic is in order to, uh, call people to use this, you have to upload all of your contacts to Amazon servers. Yeah. It's, it, it's very obvious. It's not, they didn't hide this. I didn't sit reading fine print. It says in order to play, you have to allow us access to your contacts and we are going to periodically slurp them up to the internet for you. And I opted out of that. But since he called me, I was then, so he, he slurped my contact up onto mm, the internet. Mm. Uh, I was able to call him because he had called me once. But, um, you know, if you care about your contacts, maybe you don't want to do that. Yeah, I, I think the biggest problem here, aside from, you know, those implications is the the idea of oh, there's so much competition, right? There are so many ways to message someone, whether it be iMessage, text message, email, Slack chat, Skype, right? Like that, do we really need another one? And, you know, in some ways, I guess it makes sense that Amazon decided they were going to do this as their own proprietary thing rather than just, you know, jump on Skype or something like that. Um, but it is weird and a little odd i mean i don't think anybody's going to download the alexa app for the possibility of just um chatting or you know sending messages or having phone calls with people that seems unlikely if you already have an echo it makes a little more sense it's kind of like having like a like an answering machine basically uh (laughs) like if somebody sends you a message it's like those little audio messages you can send through facetime um, so I've exchanged a couple of those and had a couple of phone calls and it's fine. It's kind of, it's kind of clever and they, it's like a, it's like a call on speakerphone. Um, but like, there's really, I think most of the stuff that's here is sort of, uh, laying the groundwork for those video calls coming in the show. So to me, that strikes me as like, Oh, as long as we're doing video calls, at least we can also do voice calls. Um, but I doubt that these are going to be something that end up really being super popular. Uh, yeah, it doesn't feel frictionless to me. Um, that is the, the part that I, uh, don't see super taking off. Um, but who knows, maybe with widespread echo show adoption, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, well, that is two topics down, two topics to go, but first it's halftime here at clockwise and halftime means we should thank our wonderful sponsors. This episode brought to you by Linode. 
Linode gives you fast, powerful hosting for your products, projects that you can set up in just seconds. They have easy-to-understand tools that let you choose your resources in Linux distro, giving you the power and flexibility you need. And best of all, Linode plans now start at just $5 a month for a Linux server with a gigabyte of RAM in the Linode cloud. Linode is chock full of service, services. Its servers offer industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, Intel E5 processors, and access to a 40-gigabit network. They have nine data centers spread across the world, giving you the ability to serve your customers quickly, along with an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. They also feature super simple scaling, allowing you to resize your servers in just a couple of clicks, and it's all manageable via the command line. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. Uh, Linode has some awesome new pricing options available. You can get that one gigabyte server for just $5 a month. You can go all the way up to 16 gigabytes of RAM if you need that much power for only $60 a month. And their two gigabyte plan now includes 30 gigabytes of storage, all for just a reasonable $10 a month. Linode continues to offer more and more awesome options to meet your server needs. Across the board, they're offering twice the amount of RAM that you'll get elsewhere. And best of all, as a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, you'll not only be supporting us, but you'll also get $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's absolutely nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use the promo code clockwise2017 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. All right, halftime is over, and our third topic comes from my co-host, Micah Sargent. Micah, what's up? Uh, I am curious. I found myself listening to music a lot, or not not so much music, but uh, podcasts and things like that a lot lately on my iPhone speakerphone. And so my question to all of you is, what is your primary means of listening to audio media? Do you use the speakerphone uh, for, or your, your smartphone speaker? Do you pipe it through an echo with speakers connected? Uh, do you have some other smart speaker in your house? You've got Sony what are you doing to to most often listen to audio when you are doing it in your home so allison do tell well i'm not a music listener and uh so i listen to podcasts and my husband and i both listen to some of the same podcasts but it's really irritating when one person is partway through and the other person's at a different spot in the same one or maybe not listening to that one so it's headphones all the time um i don't tend to listen to podcasts at home though I tend to listen to them mostly when I'm out exercising or, uh, you know, in the car, it would be coming through my car speakers, if that counts as a way of using speakers. But yeah, around the house, uh, unless I'm, I, I do clean grout to the Mac Geek Gab. So that would be a case of where I would be listening inside. The house. <laughs> what kind of headphones do you use? Uh, I'm an AirPods user, actually. I seem to be in the 3% of people who they actually uh, fit really well for. They don't work consistently, but they fit. <laughs> I love my it. second pair. Wow. Oh wow. no. Wow. That's uh uh that's that's good. I am not in that percentage. Um I if I'm in the house, it's one of two things. It's either um I have a couple Sonos Play Ones, one in my office and one in the living room that are grouped together and my living room and office are adjacent and have a big open doorway between them, so it's kind of like having big stereo speakers um and if i'm in the kitchen it's the echo in the kitchen um i will often pair my phone with that and use it for a bluetooth speaker or i'll play stuff off 
um, Amazon Music or off the radio. Yes, I still listen to the radio sometimes. Um, and yeah, I have a couple other things set up elsewhere in my house. Um, and uh, yeah, mainly that or headphones. If I'm like walking around or something, I've got a few different pairs of headphones. And I have a, I still have computer speakers attached to my iMac, which I kind of marvel at every once in a while, thinking these things take up so much space. Uh, <laughs> but I actually do use them a fair amount. So there you go. I have, I have a number of audio listening options. Uh, so I listen to podcasts on my iPhone using Overcast, and so everything there is, uh, headphones almost exclusively, um, uh, specifically, uh, just cheapo earbuds, um, or using the cassette adapter, sweet cassette adapter in my, uh, 2002 Honda Accord. Uh, mm-hmm. when I'm inside of my, my apartment, uh, I use the Echo Dot, uh, and Amazon Music Unlimited, um, for any sort of room sound I would like to have, but, uh, washing dishes or something like that, it can't usually hear it very well, so I prefer to, uh, use headphones in those cases. All right. What headphones are you using? Uh, there's, <laughs> uh, I just scatter, um, them through my life, so I have <laughs> some in various places. There's, uh, Skull Candy ones and, uh, just some Sony MDR X whatevers, um, it just has to have the little toggle control on the on the uh, cord, and that's it. Cool. Well, yeah, most of the time, I, as I mentioned, I find myself listening uh, on on my iPhone. Which it's funny because we, I think, uh, at least me, I spend money on you know fancy headphones and all this jazz, and then I just end up listening to that speaker. But uh, <laughs> when I'm not, it is on my computer speakers that I'm not ashamed of, and I'm happy that they take up so much space on my desk because they sound great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, th- those are the primary means that I have. I-, I, for some reason, have this obsession with buying Bluetooth wireless speakers and, uh, I don't know, a- AirPlay speakers and all of these silly things, and then I don't end up using them very often. And I am like constantly worried that I'm going to be playing music too loud for other people in the world to hear and I don't want to disturb anybody. <laughs> so they just end up like playing very quietly. So I, I end up switching back to my phone in the end anyway, because it seems to be less, uh, less likely to disturb anybody else. Excellent. Well, that's three topics down. Our last topic of the day comes from Allison Sheridan. I had a question that was kind of along the lines of the other stuff I was talking about. Uh, how important are security updates to you in choosing your devices? And I was originally thinking along the lines of in choosing the platform for your phone, but it could certainly expand to other kinds of devices if you like. Dan? Uh, security updates are always important. It's not something that I think about, right? Like, it's kind of like brushing your teeth, right? Like, you do it, and it should become sort of innate, and sometimes, like, you don't really consciously think about, like, wow, how easy does this make this for me to brush my teeth? Um, but security updates are obviously something that are, you know, uh, really significant with any technology device out there. I wouldn't say they impact my buying as much, and maybe some of that is I tend to buy things that I... Uh, are sometimes like potentially unwisely because writing about these things you just buy these things to mess around with them um so uh, certainly for my choice of ecosystems the reason i'm primarily an apple product user is because i believe that you know apple does a good job of keeping up to date with these sorts of security concerns and rapidly addressing issues when they arise um so you know when i trust my daily devices that i use like my iphone and my imac etc uh i'm going to be an apple user over uh you know competing platforms but 
certainly, you know, I have Echoes and Sonos devices and uh, Google Home and a Fire TV, etc. That all of which, you know, I'm sure they all, you know, companies that act properly to deal with that. But I wouldn't say that I necessarily factor it in when I'm buying a device. Uh, I factor it in loosely in that uh, I will be buying uh, whatever the next iPhone is probably because I trust them for the most part and uh, I'm always apprehensive of other vendors uh, for for phone products. Uh, That said, like Dan, I have uh, several Amazon products uh, throughout my home. Um, I mostly trust them because uh, they, they seem to have uh a interest in security for their cloud operations uh and also an interest in security for uh keeping stuff uh locked down uh to make sure nobody's taking advantage of their customer data um but uh they because they they want that sweet customer data but uh the (laughs) only stuff that i'm really dubious about is uh, any sort of internet connected television i don't trust them um my uh smart TV, uh, Plasma TV, uh, has been disabled from the internet because I want to receive no security updates or any updates. It should not, it should not do anything. It should just sit there. Um, because I don't, I don't trust Samsung, uh, to, to handle that, nor do I trust anybody else who might be installing an app on the platform, um, to, to handle any sort of security update. Sit there and think about what you've done, Plasma. I, I, yeah, I, I think I take this stuff for granted. I certainly would not, you know, want to buy something that I realize is going to potentially have privacy or security concerns, but I lucked out in being interested in technology that comes from a company that does uh, very loudly value (laughs) privacy and security. And so, you know, I, of course, update to the, the latest iPhone as quickly as possible and try to also encourage family members to do the same uh it's just like it seems that when you talk to to somebody again who's not steeped in technology about well you know you really should upgrade your iphone because you're running ios 6 or 5 or whatever and there are security concerns that come along with that and i don't think that that necessarily clicks for everybody or they don't see how that can affect them And in most cases, it doesn't. But in the one case where it does, that's where it becomes a concern. So I almost wish that more people considered security updates whenever they choose the devices. But yes, it's certainly something that is is in the back of my head, like brushing my teeth, as as Dan pointed out. (laughs) Well, this question kind of came up to me because I've uh, always said that if you're going to buy an Android phone, you better buy one from Google because at least you're guaranteed you're going to get the... Uh, security updates and uh, and of course the new OS when it comes out the new hotness, um, but that's not actually true anymore. This week uh, I had bought a Google Nexus 5X for a specific requirement I had, and Google announced that yeah we're really not going to do security updates after September of next year. Now you could say okay well Allison you've got an old phone quit your whining. It's a phone they're still selling, and they're still selling the Nexus 5P. And that won't have security updates, not guaranteed security updates past uh, September of next year. So that really got me to thinking about, um, you know, I may have been lucky because I was born into Apple. And so I I can honest, I can pretend to say I would never have done it the other way around. Um, But it just still does give me pause. And I watch the uh, I pulled the market share numbers. Ninety percent. You'll be glad to know, Micah, 90 percent of iPhone users are on iOS 10. 90% of 
Android users are not on the latest version of Android, and it has been out as long as as uh, iOS 10 has been out. So uh, my answer would have been yes. It's very important to me if I'd been asked. Uh, fantastic. Well, that is four topics down. Really quick time for a bonus topic. And since we are starting fresh this week, my bonus topic for you guys is what TV or movie franchise would you like to see rebooted? Joe? Uh, I think I would like to see uh, something that didn't quite take off as a franchise rebooted. Um, and that would be The Rocketeer. Uh, <laughs> I would like to see new Rocketeer movies, a whole, a whole swarm of them. Um, I think that would, that would be a good thing. I love you, Joe. You're great. You're great. Michael, <laughs> I know my audience. Michael, what about you? Uh, so can I just... I, I, okay, I'm going to say Scooby-Doo. And I have <laughs> some very specific things that go along with that. It cannot be that trash comic that's coming out that has Scooby-Doo and all of his friends as these terrible hipster characters. No, none of that. I want original Scooby-Doo. I want all of the the fun and and scariness that was the original series and i want it now and masks that people pull off right like yes. yeah that's yes. that's crucial allison what do you think i'm gonna have to go with mr ed <laughs> you know mr ed had so much promise as a concept but it, the execution just wasn't there and i think if we redid it today it, it would really bring that promise to the future Oh, man. So many good answers. Uh, I guess I'll go with a boring one is I still kind of want to see a a new version of Firefly. Uh, I I hate to reboot it because there's just uh, I like all those those uh, actors, but they'll never get it together otherwise. So just a new version. I want to know what was going on in the rest of that universe. All right. Well, that is bonus topic down. That's the end of the show. All that remains is to thank our fantastic guests. Joe Rosenseal, thanks so much for being here. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. And Allison, thank you so much for for joining me on this episode and fulfilling the contract. (laughs) I do. I'm just deeply, deeply honored to have been on your debut episode as co-host of the show. I'm going to put this one on my resume. Aww. (laughs) Uh, And Mikey, you survived your first show as co-host. I hope it was good. It was great, Dan. It was great. All right. Well, many more coming after that. Uh, And all that's left, I guess, is uh, to say we'll see you next week. And until then, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.